This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. The What Are You Reading podcast is brought to you by Belinda Audio. Hi everyone, Cheryl Argle here. This is our new podcast, What Are You Reading? Our followers know that we have our popular What Are You Reading Facebook Live every Thursday at 2pm. We decided to keep asking that question over the summer with this podcast and some amazing guests. So buckle up and let's talk about what we are reading. Chris Flynn, welcome back to Better Reading. Thank you very much, Cheryl. Good to see you. Yeah, I know. It's good we're doing this series of podcasts, um, What Are You Reading, for January, which is going to be fun listening to them when you're lying in the sun and having a, a bit of time off and you want to know what to read. It's a pretty handy resource, isn't it? You know, because it's good to ask authors what they're reading because sometimes they can have a bit of an insight into things that you wouldn't otherwise pick up. Well, I think it's incredibly interesting. And I think, too, um, people all the time are looking for book recommendations wherever you go. It's interesting, isn't it? Chris is the author of three novels, including Mammoth, which was shortlisted for the Indie Book Awards and Russell Prize for Humour. His work has appeared in The Age, The Australian, The Guardian, McSweeney's, The Paris Review, and many other publications. His latest book, He Be Leviathans, is a collection of funny, brilliant, boundary-pushing stories that includes a grizzly bear that goes on the run after eating a teenager and a hotel room that participates in an unlikely conception. Chris, it's really great to have you here, but I do think that you've got a very, very out there crazy mind. (laughs) Do you get that Um, a lot? (laughs) It's been interesting. I have been on tour for the past month. I've driven about 7,000 kilometres around Australia, visited almost 100 bookshops. And the one thing that I've, uh, the consistent thing I've heard is that, what's wrong with me? Um, There's clearly something wrong with me. Um, But at the same time, my books seem to be for weirdos of all ages. I've had teenagers and people in their 80s coming to events who are having good fun reading them. So I think there is a bit of a market for writing that appeals to anyone who just wants something a little bit off kilter, a little bit different. And is that how you see the world? Actually, I'm getting off topic here. I'm interviewing you like we were recording a podcast, but this is, and we are, but this is a What Are You Reading podcast. But I, I just do want to know one thing. Do you feel that, you know, when you're thinking about like I'm thinking when I'm swimming, I'm thinking when I'm walking. Do you sometimes feel that you're thinking um, something completely different to what other people are? I think once you start going down that road, there's no going back, right? Yeah. And so, and because I've started to do that in my creative work, my creative mind has sort of been trained into looking at the world slightly differently now. And I wish I could sort of undo it to a degree and, and just go back to, you know, writing a, a straight you know, rural thriller that would sell gangbusters. But I can't do it now. Now I'm stuck. If I'm going to do that, it's going to be from the point of view of a bloody kangaroo or something, you know. (laughs) So, Chris, what are you reading and what kind of books do you read? I've always been a reader of 
science fiction when I was young. And I think that has informed me as a writer now that I'm an older fellow. Um, so in that spirit, I am currently reading a book called She Who Became the Sun by Shelley Parker Chan. Uh, Shelley Parker Chan is from Melbourne, but hasn't been heralded very much, which is unusual because um, this book has won her a Hugo Award, which is one of the World Science Fiction Awards wow. as, as the best new writer. And I think Australia has a little bit of a fraught relationship with science fiction. We don't tend to give it the kudos that it deserves. Um, her book, She Who Became the Sun, it is it seems like historical fiction in that it is set in the 14th century in China, but it is alternate historical fiction because instead of everything being about the men, it's about the women. And it shows you uh, what might have happened um, in China if the women came to power instead of the men. Mm. So it's that alternate wow. alternate history, um, science fiction. Yeah, it's it's really thrilling, um, great fun, very propulsive, very exciting. It's got monks, it's got battles, it's got um, great stuff on gender that's actually very contemporary. Um, so I, I really like it whenever science fiction authors um, can do that. You know, they, they find a way to take what we already know and look at it through a different lens. Have you met her? No, I never have. I'm, I'm sort mm. of a bit surprised that I haven't seen her name pop up at any festivals and so on so far. So I'm hoping that next year um, I might mm. get to meet her at a festival. Mm -hmm. What else are you reading? I've just finished reading George Saunders' new book. <gasps> so widely. Oh, I've read it too. And I interviewed him the other day. Wow, you interviewed him. That would have been pretty cool. Yeah, third time speaking to George Saunders, and it is so cool every time. What a talented man he is. Mm. Um, and the short stories, I've always been a fan of his short stories ever mm. since back in the day before he, I guess when he was starting out writing short stories, I'd like to think that he was as unsort of loved by the general public as, as I probably currently am <laughs> mm. with, with my weird stories. But eventually he found a way through, right? You know, and... Mm. Um, Lincoln and the Bardo, which is not an easy read, won the Booker Prize. And now it's a joy for me to see that people are discovering his short stories because they are super weird, strange, alternate looks at, at reality. So I've been really enjoying the, short, the new short story collection. So have you got a favourite book, like say for something that you would go back to and read again? Yes, I had a good think about this. Um, I narrowed it down to three but I can probably pick one of them if you're going to press me. No, I want no, the okay. three. Okay. <laughs> you want the three? All right. Yep. So the three I have, two of them are fairly contemporary and one of them is a bit older. The two fairly contemporary ones are Elizabeth Gilbert's The Signature of All Things, mm -hmm. which is a beautiful book that covers the whole life of a character, Alma Whitaker, from birth to death, who's a botanist. It's quite an inauspicious sounding book. It's just about a woman who loves moss. <laughs> but um, what a talent. I can't help thinking that if it had someone else's name on the cover other than Liz's, that it probably would have won the Booker Prize too. But um, I think there's a little bit of bias against Liz because of um, you know her making her name um, through Eat, Pray, Love and Big Magic that, um, that sort of turns the serious literature fans off. But anyone who hasn't read The Signature of All Things is um, doing themselves a disservice. 
I agree with that. And I think that we love putting people in boxes. Like why do we all have to write to a genre? Why can't we just write what we want to write and read what we want to read? Absolutely. And the second one I'll talk about is a bit of an example of that. And it is Sebastian Barry's book, um, Days Without End. And Sebastian Barry, the great Irish writer, mm. who would often write historical books, but they'd be usually set in and around Ireland following you know, family members. They'd be sort of, I guess, they were rural dramas, really, um, sometimes set during the war. But here he went back and did a full-on Western, essentially, set during the American Civil War about two gay men who um, who, who sort of fight their way through the war and managed to survive. Um, and it's a beautiful book as well. And it, I think it changed people's idea of the kind of writer that he was too mm. um, and has opened up a few doors um, for writers, I think, because the Western's a, a sort of much maligned genre as well, a bit of a sort of ghetto genre, a bit like um, science fiction and I suppose romance always has been too, although that has changed dramatically in recent times where romance is king now. Mm. But I do like, as you say, the idea of not being forced into writing in a particular genre, like this perhaps old-fashioned idea that authors could write across a number of genres and um, dip their toes in many waters. You would think that a story is a story, right? Right. And I mean, I've just watched a great TV show called The English um, with Emily Blunt, and it's a Western, six-part Western. Boy, it was great. It was just so satisfying to watch. So I'm really into that genre at the moment. Mm. And my third book is also a genre book, which is um, I Am Legend by Richard Matheson, Mm. which I think was written back in the 50s. And is, you know, and the original one of the original end of the world stories, you know, where there's a, there's been a, a, a sort of viral pandemic. Everyone's died. This man is immune um, and he's living alone in a house in Los Angeles. Um, but some people did survive, but they were horribly mutated and they know he's in there. So every night they just crowd around his house, just calling his name, Neville, Neville. And he turns the music up to 11 to try and drown them out. Meanwhile, during the day, he was out to try and, and find them and kill them. It's sort of a horrifying inversion of that end of the world fantasy, which is, you know, what if you just got the world to yourself? Wouldn't it be great? You could just do whatever you want. But it could go very badly wrong. Yeah, very wrong. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I Am Legend has been made into a few movies. Um, an old Vincent Price movie called The Last Man on Earth, which is black and white. Then there was a Charlton Heston movie called The Omega Man in the 70s. And then more recently, um, Will Smith did a, uh, a straight-up I Am Legend set in New York when they finally had enough money to do it properly. I, I've seen the movie, actually. Mm. Okay, so how do you read? Are you um, a person that takes time out, like, you know, lying on the lounge, sitting, well, you're in Victoria, so I don't know how warm it is outside, but out, you know, on, on your sun chair? Or are you a person that's always reading when you can grab time to read? I do read at quite specific times. I, I'm not an outdoors reader. Mm-hmm. I've never really lived in a place that is warm enough to do that. (laughs) So I don't have that habit. I would probably just fall asleep anyway. I usually do my creative work in the mornings and early afternoons. And then I try to create space in the late afternoon where I'll have maybe a few hours before the day, the working day ends to read um, Mm. because I find it very valuable for 
my creative practice and also just my peace of mind and my well-being to be able to wind down at the end of the day with a little bit of reading, have something to look forward to. So I'll often just spend an hour or 90 minutes towards the end of the working day reading. And I have a little couch that I sit on to do that. Oh, nice. And is there anything in 23 that you're looking forward to reading? Anything upcoming? Got something coming from a favourite author perhaps? I do. I do. I've been looking into this and um, I'm glad you asked me because I was able to look up what kind of books are coming out next year and find out about it. So I am looking forward to um, Melissa Lukashenko has got a new novel called Eden Glassy, which is a great title and apparently used to be the name for Brisbane. Um, and so an historical novel from Melissa, oof, that's going to yeah. be real and um, real interesting. And I love Melissa's work because she does incorporate humour which so many other authors sort of struggle with. Mm. And um, also she says it the way it is, doesn't she? She was in the right here in our office a couple of weeks ago and she was terrific, you know. She's a treat. There, she does not suffer fools gladly, Melissa. She really does um, mm. tell it how it is. And if, if Melissa's your mate, you know you know she's your mate. <laughs> Absolutely. Other than Melissa's book, Laura Jean Mackay, whom I bumped into in the street in Brisbane recently, um, she has a short story collection coming out called Gunflower. And I think she is writing stories from the points of view of things other than humans as well. So uh, obviously that's right up my alleyway. There's another author who gets a bit sort of forgotten about in Australia, even though he is Australian. He doesn't live in Australia. I think maybe that's part of the problem. Dominic Smith. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. He wrote a book called Bright and Distant Shores. Right. And he wrote a book called The Last Painting of Sarah DeVos. These great sort of historical books, very, very capable. Um, I do wonder why there's not more made of him as well. Um, he apparently has a book out called Re Return to Valletto, which I think is set in Italy. Mm-hmm. I always look forward to something from him. Of course, Pat Williams has got the sequel to uh, the Dictionary of Lost Words coming out, the bookbinder of Jericho. So I will obviously pick that up pretty much mm. straight away. Um, so many people are waiting for her second book. Yeah, look, I love that this has happened to Pip because she's such a lovely person. And the book came out through a small publisher and went absolutely gangbusters. So I kind of, it just gives me joy that people can find those kind of books. You know, a publisher who wouldn't have had the marketing clout of a larger publisher, but yet it still managed to penetrate and find a very wide audience. So I love that she's got hundreds of thousands of fans who are probably going to um, flock out and pick up her new book straight away. We launched that book because it was the May of COVID, 220. And right. of course, all her launches were cancelled. So we hosted her launch online and it was absolutely magnificent. What a great book. It'll probably do even better once the um, TV version or the movie version, whatever it is, um, yeah, it comes, comes out. out. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Very thorough list that you've got there. Interesting list. And Chris, we, we do love your work. As, as crazy as you are, we appreciate you very much. <laughs> I do love chatting with you and have a wonderful and safe Christmas. Thank you very much, Cheryl. It's always a pleasure talking to Better Reading. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to give us a review. And if you love discussing books, check out our What Are You Reading merch, T-shirts, tote bags and more. Find us on the Better Reading website.
ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.